This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go. It's the Steelers Show. I'm Brian Anthony Davis, the podcast producer, writer, and just a general podcaster here at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And I'm so glad to be here with you once again. And I'm thrilled to be sharing your speakers with the one and only coach. His name is Kevin Smith. KT, my buddy, what is up, my friend? Nothing, Brian. Just enjoying a nice, nice summer night. Just uh, watched my son playing a little summer league basketball game and had some hamburgers on the grill. So life is good right now. That's awesome. And if you look at the calendar, today is July 1st. So what does that mean? That means we're half a year in to 2022. There's only one half left. And that means that the Steelers are going to be playing football really, really soon, Kevin. Right. And it's interesting. The calendar turns to July and for the most part, the off season's over. And, and that's really what we're going to talk about tonight is, is how, where are the Steelers as we head into the real work of building the 2022 version of, of the Steelers on the field. And, and that's from a coach's standpoint, the most exciting stuff. A lot of times you hear people talk about whether it's art or building a team or constructing a business, whatever they, they just talk about the, the process being as important as the product. And so now we're going to see the Steelers head into the, the physical process formulating period. And hopefully that'll produce a great product. 
So I know you are only about 10 days into your off season, basically with school being out for you. So my question for you is, when do you start back up? <laughs> well, we were we got out of school on uh, a Friday. I guess it was two Fridays ago. And then all last week we had mini camp. So I guess your an- my answer to your question is right away. Start up right away. <laughs> you so, just don't I mean, stop. We, yeah, we gave it. We, they had this week off. So so they will start up again on Monday. The mini camp. It's like it's like kind of how the pros do it. The, you have a mini camp. You, you install a ton of stuff. You work on some team building things and then you send them away for a little bit. And then we come back on 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 Monday and, and we'll start start up again. So uh, it's all it's really like a never ending process, whether it's pro football, whether it's high school, you're constantly in the formulation process, you know, whether it's weight training for us or offseason scouting for the NFL guys. Uh, it's really it's really 365 days out of the year and the NFL by the way has done a brilliant job of marketing itself as a 365 day a year league they've they've really done I I just remember the the NBA playoffs were going on and and the NFL was dominating the news and that's that's a pretty interesting achievement on their part you know it's really interesting and if you had a chance to listen to Dave Schofield on the scat the stat geek and that was on the Thursday edition so it was just about 24 hours ago in the second half, he uh, took a little departure from the Steelers, but still talked behind the steel curtain. And somebody asked him in his mailbag about the kind of numbers that BTSC does and what kind of listeners they do. And it's really interesting to see that we hardly had an off season. Now, there's not a day that goes by that we don't have an original podcast. We have an original podcast on Christmas Day as well. So there's not a day that goes by. But what happens is people crave their Steelers. People crave it. And if you look at SB Nation's numbers, all the NFL teams, their podcasts, they lead. They're the leaders in everything. And we just happen to be number one since October of last year. And when the NBA playoffs are going on, the Stanley Cup finals going on, anything else going on, it's Pittsburgh of the rules. And right now, BTSC's number one because the NFL rules. Right. It, it just goes to speak about one uh, for us specifically here at BTSC, how passionate Steelers fans are about the franchise. And that's exciting Two, uh, about just Americans and their love of football in general. And then three, how the NFL has managed. Uh, I, you know, I got a lot of issues beyond. I'll be honest. I got a lot of issues with the way the NFL runs its product. And I feel like they oftentimes kind of they miss the mark when it comes to understanding the mood of the country or maybe trying to hit the right note on certain subjects. But in terms of being able to market themselves, they're brilliant at it and the numbers show. So one thing that I remember as we look forward to the beginning of the season is the, the lead up to the season, you start, of course, you're playing in shorts and you're practicing in shorts. Next thing you know, you're in pads. Now, I only went as high as eighth grade, and then I grabbed a pair of drumsticks and found out that the band was going to Ireland. So I I switched uh, I switched ideas and I uh, switched hobbies and and I went from uh, football to band. But one thing I remember is standing in line with about 40, 50, 60 other boys waiting for that physical. And we had a guy called Dr. H 
I think it was Harrigan and everybody called him happy hands because he was going to go ahead and, and you were going to turn your head and cough. <laughs> and this is, uh, this is 1984, you know? So I, I remember standing in line. I remember listening to the radio and sunglasses at night was on. Cause that was out at the time. And I, it was a Monday night and I'm just waiting in line. We're, you have to wait forever for this physical. And, and I think I was like 13 at the time. I'm like, Oh, I was dreading going through thinking it was going to be the most horrible thing ever, but the physical is the big part of it. So what we're going to do is we're going to metaphorically have you turn your heads and cough as we go ahead and give the Pittsburgh Steelers the BTSC pre-camp physical tonight, Kevin. Yeah. So the physical, yeah, if you can't, if you can't pass the physical, then you can't begin practice. And, and that is the first hurdle. So in a way, I, I guess what we're sort of looking at is, like, you know, did the Steelers, are the Steelers ready to pass the physical? Are they ready to, to, to get down to work and, and begin their season? Um, and I think that if you, if you look at uh, a physical as like, what kind of shape do you report in? then maybe the big question right now is as we, as we hit July, what kind of shape are the Steelers? in? Yeah. So it's kind of a state of the union as we get ready to, oh my gosh, report to camp, I believe on the 26th. So it's less than 30 days away. What kind of shape is this team in exactly? So I'm going to ask you straight out. You do a scouting report of your team before you hit the pads, put the pads on, you know what everything's looking like. And you have an idea of expectations for that team, I'm sure, Kevin. And you have an idea of things that you need to work on. So what are your ideas for expectations for the Steelers? And what do you think the the first thing that they need to work on hard as they get ready for this season? So heading into the offseason, if we rewind to that playoff loss in Kansas City last January, when, when that Steeler team ended the season and everybody knew Ben Roethlisberger was leaving, it sure felt like a team facing a rebuild. Uh, they, they had a lot of areas where they were thin, where they were inexperienced. They, need, they were replacing their franchise quarterback for the first time in 18 years. And I think if you looked at the state of the Steelers then, you'd be pretty skeptical that they could report to camp, so to speak, that they could take their physical like we're talking about right now and be in, in pretty good shape. And yet that's where I think they are. I think they did a remarkable job in the off season of filling the most obvious uh, needs of providing depth where they needed some of that. Uh, even, even of, of reactionary stuff, like, like Stefan to retires uh, and yet they're, they're able to go out and get uh, Larry Ogunjobi. And, that, and that's, a, that's an excellent job of taking a negative and maybe turning it into a positive. So the other thing is this. Um, there was an article on the website on Thursday, which was like one of those 2023 mock draft things, which is always hysterical because, <laughs> you know, I mean, yes. yeah, right. Did you see where they had the Steelers picking? What number pick they got? Yes, the number six pick, and it looks like they're getting what the top corner in the draft. Right, and I didn't even focus on that. The thing I focused on was number six. You're telling me that the Steelers are going to be the sixth worst team in the league in 2022? I don't buy that at all. Maybe I'm an optimist, 
But I think the Steelers are in far better shape right now than certainly that author, not, not our author, but, but uh, ESPN, ESPN writer who did that mock draft. And, and I think you know, most people in general perceive the Steelers to be. I think the Steelers are going to surprise people because I think they're better than they're being given credit for. Were you excited when you saw that they had the Steelers at the number six pick? And I'm not talking about the fact that the Steelers can get a top six pick next year. I'm talking about putting a giant ship on the collective shoulders of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yeah. The back against the wall Steelers are my favorite Steelers. I always feel like the back against the wall Steelers really feeds into Mike Tomlin, who's a great motivator, who's a guy who I think gets the most out of his players. And I think when Tomlin feels challenged, I think that that's, that's when he's at his best. It, last week's show, we focused on the, uh, the podcast that he did on The Pivot, which was such a great uh, and interesting deep dive into, into Tomlin's philosophies. And one thing he talked about, which I didn't, I didn't bring up last week, uh, but one thing he talked about in that podcast was he said that one of the things that drives and motivates him as a coach was the fact that he wasn't a great player. Now he played at William and Mary, which is, you know, if you can play William and Mary, you're a, you're a darn good football player. No question about that. You're probably amongst the top three to 4% of all the people in the world who play football. If you can play at William and Mary and uh, yet on a professional level, when you're measuring yourself against not the general population, but against the best of the best, the professionals, he's right. He wasn't an elite football player and what he said on the podcast was and I wanted so badly to be an elite football player that that still stings and I still feel like I have to prove myself as a coach even even after winning a Super Bowl and going to another one and all the success he's had and in essence he said when somebody tells me I can't do it that's when I'm at my most motivated because I feel like I failed as a as a player to reach my goal and I never want that feeling again. And as a coach, that's what continues to drive me. So when I saw the Steelers had the number six pick in that mock draft, I said to myself, that's going to be uh, you know, fuel for the fire for, for Coach Tom. The thing about it, Kevin, I love what you said there, and I agree with you absolutely. The people that put those drafts together, that's just a talking head in New York and Los Angeles. It's somewhere else that just looks and paints the barn with a broad brush and Mike Tomlin will tell you, you can't do that. And when you're doing that, you don't know what's going on inside the building. Look, we're not insiders. We're not inside that building, but we talk about, we study, we learn about this team every single day. And they're just looking at the name Mitch Trubisky on a piece of paper. They're looking at the name Kenny Pickett on a piece of paper or a computer screen and saying that, eh, you know, they're not going to be good because quarterbacks fell. This wasn't a good quarterback draft. Mitch Trubisky failed in Chicago. You know, they're not looking at all the intangibles and the reason that these guys are here because they're not paying attention to it. They're paying attention to 32 teams and they don't know exactly what the Steelers look like like Mike Tomlin knows what the Steelers look like and what we assume that the Steelers are going to look like based on what we know and what we know about this organization. And one thing you could always say about the Pittsburgh Steelers is you cannot count out 
this team ever. Right. And I agree with you. You're, you're totally right that, that this is not somebody who spends a lot of time studying the Steelers, who's, who's doing this, this quote-unquote mock draft. But it's also a little bit lazy, too, in the sense that you, you look at Mike Tomlin's tenure in Pittsburgh and the fact he's never had a losing record. Uh, you don't have to go back very far to see an example of where the Steelers should have been bad. 2019, right? Ben Roethlisberger goes out for the season in the second game. The, the Steelers are, are 0-3 coming out of, out of the gate. Uh, they're going to be quarterbacked by Mason Rudolph, who's pretty much had no starters reps whatsoever. He doesn't even have a quarterback coach at that time. And then when he goes down uh, or, or plays ineffectively, he's going to be replaced by Devlin Duck Hodges. I mean, there's no reason at all that that Pittsburgh team should have been any good. And at one point, they're eight and five. At one point, they, they need they need one more win to qualify for the playoffs. How do, how do they get there? They get there because they have a culture which I think some people believe that, that that's like a talking head term, but I, I will hear, I'm here to tell you that's real, that that counts for a lot, that when you, when you create a level of expectation, uh, the, the, the Tomlin phrase, the standard is the standard gets thrown around a lot, but that's a real thing inside that locker room. The notion that, that uh, be, playing for the Steelers represents uh, a certain standard and that you're expected to meet that regardless of the circumstances. So so again, while while we can discard discount these mock drafts and all this stuff, all we want, and writers looking to fill pages and get clicks and those types of things, I think for the Steelers, they know that people expect them to be down. Everybody's picking them to finish fourth in the North. So as they head to July and and they gear up for training camp, I have no doubt that this is going to be something that Mike Tomlin will make them very well aware of. They definitely are going to be aware of it, and Mike Tomlin's going to do it. We've seen him so many times do this. You know, that infamous Antonio Brown Facebook Live gaffe that I was watching when it happened because I used to, I love the, I loved those Facebook Lives when he was doing it because they were, they were stuck on a plane in Buffalo. So he went around and talked to everybody. But that, I'm not talking about that, but what we heard there, was he was doing the it's us against the world thing. They made us play on Sunday night and now they're making us travel to Boston. We're going to do this. And, you know, they played on on a Saturday and they have an advantage. But guess what? We're not going to let that get to us. That ended up becoming a distraction. But the words that he was saying that was supposed to go to only his players. That was a look inside of what this guy does. And these guys are ready to run through walls for him. So it. it it's something really cool to see each and every time and to hear and know that culture. Miles Jack was in the building for a week and he's talking about how great this culture is. So I, I know a lot of people think it's a punchline, but for the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's not. And time and time and time again, it works for them. Right. And this is going to be a year where the Steelers are going to have to lean on that culture because if you look at them now entering the training camp month as, as well as they did to replace some of the areas of weakness uh, and fortify them throughout the year. They still have an awful lot that they have to, to do to be able to put together a winning football team. And you asked me at the beginning of the podcast, what do they most have to work on? Well, with all the new faces here, uh, they have to get everybody on the same page, which means that they're going to have to be a great 
practice team. They really need to practice well throughout training camp. So beginning in about three weeks, that training camp period from late July till the end of August, early September, that's got to be incredibly productive. The Steelers really need to teach well from a coaching standpoint. I think that one of the things that they did in the offseason that's flown under the radar a little bit, a lot of people have brought attention to Brian Flores coming on board, and that's a wonderful addition. But I think the fact that Frisman Jackson, who's been brought in to coach the receivers, and Pat Meyer, who's been brought in to coach the offensive line, both have reputations as being good teachers of the game, being really good from a technique standpoint, being really demanding on players as far as fundamentals are concerned. And, and that's a huge thing for a, a team with a lot of new, new pieces that you got to be able to bring those pieces together and get them to function as a unit. And I'm encouraged by that. So, so in order for the Steelers to, to reach expectations, in order for them to, for that culture to be able to take hold, they've got to be able to fit all the new pieces in, not just as Pittsburgh Steelers, but as functioning members of a, of a unit. And I'm encouraged by uh, the progress they made in that area as well. There's going to be so much progress. There's going to be so many naysayers. And we are going to talk about what the Steelers need to do in the second half of this show as we continue the Steelers pre-camp physical here on Here We Go, the Steelers show. Come on right back right after this message on BTSC. That's behind the still curtain.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The worst looking man you've ever seen. And there I am on the subway train. Welcome back to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I am Brian Anthony Davis. With me, as always, is Kevin Thatcher Smith. That's KT Smith. That's Coach. That is the legend. And I am just getting a clinic as always every single week as I just throw out a few questions and let them roll. And I love to just sit back and listen, Kevin, we are talking about what this team is getting ready to see ready to face as we go ahead into training camp at St. Vincent college for the first time. And that's coming up in a matter of less than four weeks. So it's going to be really exciting as you look at the calendar, it's July 1st, July 26th. They are in camp officially, and I cannot wait for this. And what is Mike Tomlin looking at right now? Right. What he's looking at right now is uh, specifically his depth and uh, where everybody fits. They've got 90, 90 guys in camp, and they can only keep 50-odd uh, guys, including the practice squad players well it's a little bit more now so 60 or so they probably have a good idea uh of some of the guys who they know that 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 are are going to get cut out of out of that 90 in camp there's probably 20 or so guys who they know you know i I don't want to do a disservice to any of those young men and call them camp bodies 
because they're they're even to make it to an NFL training camp is a dream come true. But uh, there's probably 20 or so guys that that have a real unrealistic chance of uh, sticking around. So what he's going to have to be able to do then is really identify the camp battles, the positions where they really feel like it's going to be competition, serious competition for roster spots. And they're going to have to structure their practice time accordingly. We, we talked on a podcast maybe a few weeks back about how important it is for them to get the quarterback position right. And, and that comes during practice. Uh, we, we know that Mitch Trubisky got the starters reps during minicamp. We know that Mason Rudolph was the two and Kenny Pickett was the three. If the Steelers have any inclination of making Kenny Pickett the starter, that will have to change because you only become the starting quarterback with reps. I can't stress that enough, how important it is at every level of football for people to get adequate practice reps because the game, every level that you go up, the game gets faster and more complex. And the only way you work that out is repetition. And so if Kenny Pickett's going to be the number three guy, uh, then the then the practice reps will, will reflect that. If we start reading reports that like Kenny Pickett ran with the starters, then what that's telling us is they're either a interested in seeing what he looks like because they're considering him as potentially a starter, or b uh, Trubisky most likely, and then p- perhaps Rudolph are not playing well. So if you're Tomlin, you're really sitting down with your other coaches right now, and you're trying to refine how exactly you want to structure practices and what personnel you want to look at. Speaking of personnel last year at this time, going into this week, you had the sudden retirement of David DeCastro. And right after that, bringing in Trey Turner, they had to act fast. We had that happen maybe a month ago in Pittsburgh with Stefan to retiring, but they just brought in Larry Okunjobi last week, but they had, time to do due diligence on making that move then right before camp started the Steelers the day before camp started Kevin the Steelers had Vinny Vidivici Vince Williams number 98 go ahead and retire right before camp started they brought in a guy right away but of course they really didn't have a chance to uh you know give Melvin Ingram, the third expectations, or they just had to go and grab a guy at that point. So one, this is a two-part question. One, are the Steelers done making moves? And two, is that, a, are they in much better shape this year? So, because they're not rushing. Right. I mean, there's some buzz out there that they might add some depth to their offensive tackle rotation. That, that appears to be the thinnest position group on the roster. Eric Fisher's still out there. He's 31 years old. He's a, a veteran who's been a former Pro Bowl player and was a was a, a number one pick uh, in the past and has turned into a solid pro. And he seems like a guy who, who, if he's willing to accept a role as maybe the third tackle, would be a great mentor for the, the two young guys that they have in starting positions right now. But I don't know if, if they see – Fisher, I don't, I don't know if they, if, if they feel they need that depth. I don't know if they want a 31-year-old. Uh, they're pretty young on offense. And they seem fairly content to, to let the youth movement play out. But to, to answer your second question, I, I do think they're in better shape than they were in last year because uh, hopefully in the next three and a half weeks, there won't be any Vince Williams-like surprises. But 
they were they went out last year and they got uh, guys that they plugged in who were uh, older guys. And um, like, for example, in Trey Turner's case, Turner was at the end of his career, um, didn't didn't appear to be in especially great shape, was coming off of an injury, uh, didn't really seem to fit in real well with a lot of the young guys that they had up front. And in Ingram's case, that's been well documented. He, he kind of had one level of expectation and the, for what he the reps he would get uh, and his role. And the Steelers had another. So those guys didn't seem to, to really fit in like the uh, the additions they've made this year. They, they signed a lot of guys early in camp uh, or in the free agency period, I should say. And, and they seem to have a plan for those additions. So I really feel like the offseason this year was structured with a, uh, a vision for how they wanted to build things as opposed to reactionary mode, trying to sort of, you know, plug the holes in the dam as they developed, which seemed to be the way it went last year. Another big thing that is going to be happening, happening today, excuse me, this year is the fact that the Steelers are going back after two year absence at St. Vincent college. How does that change the game for the Steelers? That's exciting. I think that that creates a camp vibe. I think that that gives the players just the old school feel of what camp is like, which by the way, if you gave, I'm sure if you gave the players their druthers that they'd like to be staying in nice hotels or, or in their own condos and houses in and around Pittsburgh, uh, as opposed to in some dorm where, you know, who knows if they even have air conditioning uh, in, in a lot of those, those places. Uh, when I was in college, uh, our camp was miserable, absolutely miserable in the, the dead of August. We stayed in the dorms. They were unair conditioned. It was just two and a half weeks of waking up at 530 in the morning, dragging your butt to practice, going to a meeting, throwing some food in your belly, going back to some sweaty dorm uh, that you maybe caught an hour's nap in and then getting it up in the afternoon and repeating the same exact process. You know, meeting room, practice, trainer, dinner table, night meeting plop down in bed at 10 o'clock at night and fall asleep because you're so exhausted. I mean, that was, that was camp and it went like that for two and a half weeks, but it created such a focus and such a, a sense of urgency. Like you knew why you were there. You knew what the vibe was like. You knew that every day, your whole world for those two and a half weeks was football. Uh, so I think that that being there will, will give the Steelers a focus uh, that maybe they've lacked by not being there. Uh, and also just, to be around the fans in that environment will be cool for the players. I'm, I'm going to go. I think I, I, I told you that for the first time ever, I've never been to a Steelers training camp and you know, we're going to schedule a family vacation uh, for the first week of August, which will allow us to, to, to get to one of those practices. And I, I can't wait. My, my son's excited. And I think the players feed off of that vibe as well. So I don't, I don't discount the importance of that. Well, that is going to be fantastic for your family. I remember going the first time in 1980 with my family, and I remember the autographs that I got at that time, too, and it was very crowded. It was right after a Super Bowl win, but there was definitely a frenzy and a fanfare, and it it was just so really cool, and I'd been meaning to do that again. I haven't been there since 1987, but my dad always says, hey, let's go up because he loves, he's a photographer. He loves to take pictures. 
And, you know, with that camera, he get that guy finds a way to get everywhere. So if I can get the time off, you know, no time like the present, I would like to go up as well. Yeah. Come up and meet us. I think that would be fantastic. (laughs) I know big bro is going to be there. There's a few other guys talking about going, um, definitely let us know, let everybody know when you're going to be there. Cause I'm sure people would love to meet coach. Oh yeah. I mean, it'll be, it, it'll be a, a really interesting experience. And, and again, what we were just talking about, I think for the players to be in that environment, uh, remind, will we'll remind some of them, especially these younger guys who are really competing for jobs of, of what it was like when they were in college, when they were coming up, when they were competing, uh, when you knew every single practice, your performance could dictate your future in that particular situation. When you have that sense of urgency, uh, you have no choice but to be at your best. And that's that's really something I think that um, Coach Tomlin thrives off of as well. He, he loves those environments. Another one of the things that he said on, the, on that Pivot podcast that we referenced last week was about his, uh, you know, I, he said, I don't run away from coaching. I run to coaching. And there's no better time to coach than when you're in that type of environment. All coaches will tell you they absolutely love the preseason environment because you, you're, you're doing so much working with the players. There's so much hands-on coaching going on. When you get into the regular season, so much of what you do is now involved with game planning. You, you don't have the time to work on the fundamentals, to work on the little things that coaches love, like hand placement. I mean, I, I, I was at a practice of peewee kids the other day, nine and 10 year old kids. And we spent 45 minutes on hand placement, just in various situations, cornerbacks, covering receivers, linemen, blocking offensive linemen, blocking defensive linemen, and just, you know, going over uh, rep after rep after rep, the importance of, of what you do with your hands. Coaches love that stuff. So when you get into the, the camp environment, it's a phenomenal time to work at that. And I think, again, that's an area where Tomlin thrives. Man, you have me all excited. So let's take your couch hat off real quick and put on your uh, your doctor's coat. And what kind of physical evaluation are you going to give this team? And we're not talking about the health of the players. We're talking of, as a collective. We're talking about the health of the franchise and the health of the 22 Steelers going in to training camp just a few weeks away. Yeah. I I think all things considered, that's a bit of an asterisk. And uh, that comes with the knowledge that Ben Roethlisberger just retired, the knowledge that uh, they, they're really turning the offense over to Matt Canada, truly turning it over to him for the first time. Now the offense, the the knowledge that they have a new defensive quarter coordinator, a new offensive line coach, a new wide receivers coach. There's a ton of change in Pittsburgh. And so when you consider all of that, and, and in addition to that, all the new players they've brought in, uh, seven, eight, nine new free agents, uh, plus a, a, a rookie draft class, the health of the team, I think, is as, as, as good as can possibly be expected, given the fact that they had so much change and so much turnover. So it's almost like, in a way, it's almost like, like you're getting evaluated coming back from an injury, you know, they, that the injury is is a setback, so to speak, right? All, all of the departures in Pittsburgh with Roethlisberger's probably, you know, the most important being, being the so-called setback. How are we doing in our rehab? And I think that the Steelers rehab uh, looks pretty darn good. I know what the, I know what the out of town people say. I know what the 
national pundits say they all think it's going to be a real down year for the Steelers. And I'm not expecting them to go win the Super Bowl or anything, but I think as we head into training camp, they're in far better shape than many people give them credit for. Well, you know, as Jeff Hartman said this morning, Kevin, on Let's Ride, there's no Steelers hype train, and that's fine. And he talked about how the Steelers are a dark horse and for the first time in a long time and the fact that that should not concern fans. So if you did not get a chance to check out that show, it's a fantastic episode of Let's Ride. Make sure you listen to that. It backs up everything that you just said, Kevin. Yeah, and you always start with your division. You know, you always start with, all right, well, who do we have to, who do we have to play twice a year? And you look at the Steelers division, and clearly right now Cincinnati's the class of the division, and that still feels weird to say, but whatever. Uh, and, uh, you know, but, you know, they went, they had a great run last year. They have a great young team, uh, but they got to do it again, right? I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams have, have a great run, but can you sustain that run? That becomes the, the tricky thing. And, and certainly Cincinnati looks like the class of the division, but we'll see if they can do it again. And then to me, it's a toss up is Baltimore, uh, significantly better than the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers have beaten them three out of the last four times that they played. Uh, I don't see Baltimore significantly better. Uh, Lamar Jackson has, has leveled off. Teams have learned how to defend him. And until he shows the league, until he proves that he has evolved as a passer, they're always going to be limited. And Cleveland's a wreck. I mean, Cleveland, uh, they threw 200 million guaranteed dollars at Deshaun Watson who's facing a year-long suspension, and maybe even worse, maybe an indefinite suspension. And their backup is now the guy who used to be the starter, Baker Mayfield, who they had a very public and ugly divorce with. And right now it looks like their starting quarterback is going to be Jacoby Brissett, uh, Matt Canada's old buddy. So, like, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing about that that tells me that the Steelers are going to finish last in the division, that they should be right there with everybody else. And then beyond that, uh, I think the rest of the schedule is fairly favorable. They don't have to leave. They don't have to leave the Eastern time zone all season, uh, which is all, you know, they've always been struggled when they go out to the West coast. And um, so again, you know, why, why not the Steelers? That that's an argument that I I'm, I'm willing to make. And Kevin, we almost forgotten something we don't want to do. Who's the dude of the week this week. <laughs> So we have, a, we have a special due to the week this week. Uh, I, uh, I was writing an article earlier this week that, that ran, I guess, on Tuesday. Uh, and I was finishing up, and it was around 1 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what I did. I, I was making my final edit. My final edit, I was literally about two minutes away from hitting the submit button to send it in. Uh, and I don't know what I did, and all of a sudden it just disappeared. Uh, 1,600 words just went up in smoke, and I was suddenly staring at a blank screen, and I went into a, a panic. I literally broke out into a sweat. And at one o'clock in the morning on the Slack channel, I, I just fired out like a, a Hail Mary, so to speak. Is anybody awake? Does anybody have any idea how to retrieve a, a story that has that just vanished? And, and within 30 seconds, Dave Schofield uh, replied and uh, not didn't he, he was awake and uh, he knew exactly what to do. I, he gave me, his, you know, said, call me. I called him. We, he talked me through it. And uh, and we found that he was able to restore it and not just Dave, but Brian Anthony Davis also chimed in there uh, and, and offered his assistance. So at one o'clock in the morning, at one o'clock in the morning, uh, two uh, of BTSC editors were awake 
uh, working, doing their thing, and they really saved my butt. So I'm going to give special due to the week status to Dave and Brian wow. for, uh, for really pulling me out of the fire there. It, you know what? It was something that I'm going to give a more credit to Dave because it's something he taught me last week. And he uh, he told me this before and I forgot it. But when there's something that goes wrong like that, you just call Dave. And we had this very show about a month ago and I'm getting ready to uh, it is the entire show disappeared. And I call up Dave and I didn't want to call up these guys to say, yeah, I messed up the show. It's running and it ended up being late on a Friday. This was about exactly a month ago. And there's Dave. He's researching stuff and we're doing stuff on the fly. We're trying to we're FaceTiming Kevin so he could see my screen. He's like tech support. It was it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> so uh, as much as I love having the dude of the week, I'm going to give ha um, half of mine. So I'm only going to take a quarter of dude of the week and I'm going to give three quarters to Dave Schofield because, yeah, he's <laughs> absolutely amazing with stuff like that. He's patient. He helps you. He will do what will drop everything to help you out. And yeah. we've ha we've had that happen before. And we've had those late night things, you know, trying to get shows out uh, a definite team player and uh more than a team he's a coach well dave if you're listening uh, i thank you again that, that was a sick sick feeling uh and uh whew, you really you really came to my rescue control z baby control z <laughs> uh due to the week dave Schofield. as always it was a clinic kevin thank you so much yes sir and uh everybody out there enjoy your summer because uh it's just uh, these are beautiful months these uh these summer months and yeah, they go fast, so uh, make sure you get out there and enjoy the, the sunshine. And enjoy your 4th of July, the birthday of our country. Happy birthday, America. And for all of you out there, blessings to you. Have a great week. We will be back here next week with another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers show. Keep your feet on the ground. Keep reaching for the hypocycloids. We out. We'll see you next week. Love you, Steeler Nation.